All right, Spencer. Still Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. All Appreciate right. So, um, so I know you're a psych major at SNHU. Yep. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, what got you into psychology? Um, what got me into it? Honestly, um, I was doing business classes throughout high school and I was kind of, it was kind of vague and broad and it's like, you know, business applies to everything. So I might as well take that route. You know, I kind of have a business mindset of sell things for profit. It's pretty simple, but, um, you know, I didn't really have much direction, didn't have a vision and, um, I don't really have some, it wasn't something important to me. It was just kind of doing what I felt like I needed to be doing. And then, um, you know, I had some, I wouldn't say mental health struggles necessarily, but you know, everyone goes through their stuff. So, you know, I was going through mine and I came to the conclusion that the best way to kind of figure all that out for myself would be go study psychology and how the brain works for the most part. And then on top of that, be able to hopefully apply that knowledge to other people's lives and help other people out. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I thought it was something that's very practical across the board for really anyone at any point so you know i figured it's a good good baseline to start at and then kind of see where that goes okay yeah yeah no and i know like you know we've had our psychology talks and i've been waiting to get you on here for this very reason because like the way that you know i think you and i approach psychology and not even psychology in in specific but even just simply like people's day-to-day actions how they operate how their actions affect their futures and how their actions affect other people and their like just you and i kind of click the way we think about stuff like that and so you know i even more specifically wanted to have you on here because you bring like an expertise version of you know what i know about you kind of know about it just a step further you know what i mean especially from the books um and the research and just this is what you study so you know i i know like briefly what we're going to talk about here is obviously like you yourself and kind of like we could just kind of did what got you into psychology and also future plans where you think you're going to take this because I, I'd love to see you open your own practice at some point. That'd be awesome. That's the goal. That's the yeah, goal. That'd be sick. Yeah. That'd be sick. Um, and, you know, really just like how you can see yourself bringing value to really anybody. Like you said, you want to affect people's lives positively. And so, you know, kind of segueing into the, the first topic, which you and I love this topic. So we're starting out fresh. Accountability. So in specific, like harnessing radical accountability and using that to your benefit, right? Because like we've used the radical accountability in our own lives. So first things first, what would be your definition, your loose definition of radical accountability? Honestly, I would say that it's a focus on on what you could improve on as a person not necessarily what you did wrong really or not necessarily blaming yourself it's kind of just taking a step back and looking at ways that you can improve because i mean no one's gonna make the argument that anyone's perfect like no one's perfect everyone makes mistakes here and there so there's really no benefit uh, you know there's nothing productive about looking for someone else to blame and kind of externalizing the blame and it's not really even about blame. It's just about 
trying to do things as well as we can. That's what we're all doing. That's right. all we can do. So really just uh, look at, looking towards yourself and seeing in which ways you can improve because there's always going to be something. You're never right. going to do anything perfectly. Right. And so like I know one of the, the big things about radical accountability is personal growth. And so I think oftentimes people get confused when we talk about radical accountability because first of all, the term radical has a negative connotation. But in essence, being radical is just being extreme. And, and, and extreme doesn't really have a negative connotation. Now, it, it you know can sometimes be overbearing, but it certainly has its its purpose in some instances. So for using it for personal growth, and I gave this, this example to you a few weeks back about the beach. I had my I had my laptop in a bag. Somebody had put a drink in the bag and it was punctured and throughout the whole weekend that drink was just seeping into my laptop, into my bag, into my iPad, everything. Luckily nothing was destroyed, but you know, the first thing I thought off the cuff was what the hell? Why did somebody put a drink in my bag with my laptop? Yeah. Then took about 20 minutes to get on the back road on the drive home. And, and, you know, I'm starting to think, I'm saying, well, first of all, nobody knew that it was my laptop bag. No one knew it was at the bottom of a bag full of sweatshirts and hoodies at the same time. Number two, it wasn't open. It was punctured. Nobody was to know that. But third of all, the most important one, what could I have done in that situation? And what I could have done in that situation was taking it out at the beginning of the weekend, but I didn't. And so, you know, in terms of personal growth, that was a small personal growth moment for myself because I'm looking at it and I'm saying, yeah, you know, I could have never predicted a situation like this. But what it did teach me is that whether or not you can predict a specific situation to happen, if you have something valuable near and dear to your heart, take it out, put it in a safe spot. You know what I mean? And that even goes further than just material items. Like if there is something in your life that you love and respect and appreciate, treat it well. Take care of it. Take care of it. And it's your job because it's your item. Right. You can't expect anyone else to come jump in and save the day. And I mean, you don't want that because you, I mean, I'm sure that everyone or a lot of people can relate to um, when you're in a group project at school, when you're working in a team at work, whatever it is, and everyone's doing it the wrong way and it's not the way you like and it's not the way that maybe you think you know is right. And it's just like, all right, just let me do it. Like, get out of my way and let me do it right. Right? You, and that, So you don't want other people to have control over your items. And, right. you know, it, it's easy to get caught up in, man, I wish I had someone to take care of all my little crap. But you don't. Like, you you, you want to be responsible and accountable for your own things because whose things are they if you're not the one responsible for them, right? Right. right. No, exactly. And so, you know, like, like we were talking about, the personal responsibility, I think, is – the, the personal responsibility and really in essence the personal growth is like the the most important and substantial part of that but you know how how i view it too on the other side of things is that i also feel like i'm more in control of situations so being able to because the only person's actions that we can control truly are our own so being able to find the blame quote unquote and i give that as positive a connotation as i can being able to find the blame the reason why this happened 
due to a, a, an issue with you or a problem with you or something that you caused. Like I said, whether or not th there were a ton of external factors, and there always are, that are out of your control. But what was that one factor that was in your control that you could have taken advantage of and you didn't? And so, you know, it does actually bring some peace of mind when you put your ego aside and realize that blaming yourself is not taking a shot at yourself. It's simply trying to find a solution to a problem. Right. It's just perceiving reality as it is without right. the bias of your ego in the way. And right. I'm like you said, once you push your ego to the side, it really is. It's fulfilling. It's it's mm -hmm. a good feeling to be able to take accountability and just be kind of um, clear-headed approaching a situation um it's that's the problem that's the hard part though is pushing aside that ego and um being willing to accept the critic the self-criticism really right right exactly so you know there's obvious there's there's that and i think you know we kind of kind of went over right there what radical accountability is and you know it really like we said it really comes down to just embracing that responsibility both positive and negative, like, like, you know, because the other half of radical accountability, which I want to also talk about is that really the best way to sum it up is your wins are your fault and your losses are your fault. So just as much of your losses and issues that you could have controlled and still happened or whatever the case may be, your wins are just as much your fault. And so the idea of radical accountability goes even further to say like, you are, in essence, in control of everything that happens in your life. Exactly. Everything that you go through, everything that happens in your life, you are in control of, whether it's good or bad. And so I think that's a, a, a nice kind of feeling to have and a nice way to live life because not everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies, and we understand that. And you can't just pick and choose when you want to give yourself credit versus when you want to blame yourself. And so, you know, I give myself just as much credit for the successes I have, but more often I'm giving myself criticism because more often than not, we're failing. And that's just reality. It, it takes multiple failures per success. Just like it, you know, in marketing, it takes a thousand letters for two leads. It's like, it takes so much work for such a little return. But, you know, once that return is amplified, you realize what that return really brought you. But at the end of the day, if all marketing was, was a thousand letters sent out for two people to call you, you'd never do it. Right. You know what I mean? But, but the idea is that it takes a lot of work in the beginning to essentially succeed at whatever it is that your goal is. And in, in this case, it's just personal growth and bettering yourself. And like I said, it takes a lot of those failures to get to that success. Yeah. And then, I mean, over time too, it, it becomes easier, right? Because when you, when you do succeed, then you earn those privileges. Like, I mean, just basic example, if you're doing well at work, then you might get a raise and you might get a promotion and then you are more monetarily equipped to maybe buy a nicer laptop and you can run your computer will run faster better wi-fi whatever it is you can buy tools that make that improvement easier for you right and you that's a privilege you earn it's easy to say well i should just have it because if i had all these good things then it'd be so much easier for me to do work right yeah it would be but you haven't done any of the work in the first place to 
to earn those. And maybe you've done some, but uh, if you don't have them, it wasn't enough, clearly. Right, right, Ex- exactly, exactly. And and so, you know, it's it's really like your perception of your perception of the work you've done and and not even the work you've done specifically, but really just your perception of what it is. I can't even figure out how to word this right. Really, I think what it comes down to is oftentimes I think we amplify our perception of situations too much. So we think of ourselves as, you know, maybe too kind or we think of our and i don't mean that in terms of like we need to combat that i just mean that in terms of i feel like we're always giving ourselves an excuse to do the wrong thing yeah you know what i mean so it's like it's like oh i'm always nice so i'm gonna be an asshole no 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 no. first of all you're not always nice don't trick yourself (laughs) you're not always nice you could be nicer you could always be nicer you're not always nice but second of all it's never an excuse and just like I said, it, it, we, we're always trying to find an out. So it's, oh, you know what? I'm always responsible. So in this scenario, I'm not going to be responsible. And this falls into the category of accountability. You need to take accountability of your life, not just your actions, but your life in general. And if you decide that, you know, you don't want to stick to the disciplinary actions it takes to hold, your, again, hold yourself accountable to a certain morale, then you know, that's really your choice. But the whole idea, again, is like when you implement this this type of radical accountability in your life where you have control over every situation, you're always growing because you're always criticizing how you do things and you're kind of sharpening the sword of skills that you have, you end up becoming a better person. Yeah, and that's just by default. And it's funny that you mentioned... Um, looking for excuses to not do the right thing because that's very common. And I think that, I think that stems from uh, taking things for granted, really like, you know, people work for the weekends, right? Duh, get through the work week. Oh, that sucked, man. I'm so happy to not work. Right. I mean, no one's forcing you to work. Right. Like don't work. Oh, well, so we get caught up in our individual lives, but it's, it's ultimately counterintuitive. Like if you're on a diet and oh, I've been good for two weeks and I'm going to reward myself by eating something that tastes good and makes me feel good immediately. That doesn't reward yourself because there's never a good time to eat bad food. Right. Right. right? Like it, it's, it's counterintuitive to reward your hard work and discipline to achieve a goal by being counterproductive to that goal right yeah yeah see i i and i see that that's i think one of the biggest reasons why addicts fail at sobriety is because oftentimes what i hear is that they say i've been sober for so long i i deserve a drink and it's like when you hear it like that it sort of you you can almost make sense of it yeah i get it you can you understand what they're saying but when you're looking for results the idea is that that, that's not that's not a productive way to go about it you have gone this far without a drink for a reason there's been a reason why you haven't had a drink in seven years and that's because you can't handle it so your idea that you're going to now celebrate with the thing that you can't handle you're going to celebrate the lack of something with that something, it just makes no sense. Right. And like I said, so when you think about it a little bit deeper, you realize, okay, this is not 
very productive nor logical. This makes no sense. This does this. So, you know, I, I don't think that I, I think when we talk about this radical accountability, I also don't want to brush over the fact that like, listen, we go to the gym and we hold ourselves to a pretty strict diet, I would say. But, you know, the reality is I have Chick-fil-A here and there. I have, yeah, I have fast food. I have ice cream. Like, I, I'm not like starving myself and neither are you of, of these of these sweets or whatever. But we also know that if we're feeling like shit, it, it it's not the ice cream. I mean, it is the ice cream, but it's the ice cream didn't force its way down our throat. We, right. we shoveled it down. Yeah. I mean, we allowed it to go in well knowing that our body doesn't react well to it. Or, you know, if you're bloated and... You know, you're, I don't know, you're, you're bloated because you ate like shit over the weekend and then you get a pool party and you, you look like a, a fat ass. It's like, again, your fault. And, and now it's not to say that you shouldn't have had that food. It's like, hey, maybe you did deserve it. You've been working hard. You've been holding yourself to a diet. And now treat yourself a little bit. You absolutely can justify deserving it. But the idea that like two things can't be true at once, you can be the reason why you look like shit, but also have an excuse for it. You know what I mean? Like it can be justified. Oh, I understand why you did that. But at the same time, you decided to do that. Right. So you look you look the way you do because of what you decided to take action on. Right. The, the ice cream and the effects it has on your body is not concerned with what led up to you eating that ice cream. And exactly. oh, well, you know, well, the ice cream is sinking. You know, he's been eating well the last week, so I guess we'll give him a pass. It's still going to have the same effect no matter what. You know what's so funny is that I just did a video. I haven't posted it yet, but I sent you the um, I sent you the, the thumbnail of it yep. the other day. Yeah. And it's about good debt and bad debt. I, I, I don't need to get into it. But at one point, I say, like... <clears throat> Or maybe it wasn't that video. It was a video where at one point I say, pivot and adapt. The whole point of the video was to just talk about like, listen, there's always going to be people who are careless. There's always going to be mistakes made and not even the people in general. There's just going to be problems that occur. And now you can go down one of two roads. You can blame the problem for the lack of success. And in this, I say you have a job to do and you're expected to do that job both diligently and effectively and act diligently, effectively, and accurately. So at the end of the day, the job does not care about whether or not you have obstacles, nor does it wait around for your solutions. And so the whole idea behind saying that was that, you know, there are going to be problems in life. And this goes with the accountability. There's, there's going to be issues in life. There's going to be people who cause problems in your life. In, in this case, I was talking about a job, so I'll just stick with that example. The job does not care that there were obstacles thrown your way. If somebody hires you to build them a house and I don't know, the lumber all comes in wrong. The reality is you're still supposed to frame this house, right? right? Still it, build it. Like there, I, I know a story of a, of a builder recently and there was a framer who got the wrong plans sent to him. And so he built all the second floor walls like three inches short, not his fault, but at the end of the day, he has a job to do. It was to frame that house. So, the job's not going to reframe itself. It's not going to rip the walls out and, and reframe the walls a little bit taller. He has to take accountability, whether or not it was really his fault. At the end of the day, it do the job doesn't care. And, right. Even if it wasn't his fault. Okay. That's not his fault. What are you going to do? Go right. track down whoever sent the wrong measurements and how there was a miscommunication because right. a lot of disagreements and problems are really just uh, a lot of the times like 
really malicious people who are out to get people is kind of rare. People just are careless and they make mistakes and it's all accidental. So if you want to go down that road, it's really no one is directly causing the problem consciously. So it's not like if you're trying to play the blame game, you can't just, that's not how it works. It's not one person to blame for the most part. You know, there are instances of that, of course. Right. But I mean, even if it was, is it worth tracking that person down and then trying to hold them accountable and trying to get them to fix the job that has been done as if that's even a realistic possibility? Like who's going to do that? It's just not feasible. Right. And, and, you know, for in in business, oftentimes you do try and track down who made the mistake. Oftentimes it's like billing purposes or whatever. But again, it's like at the end of the day, the job still needs to get done. It doesn't matter. And so that is honestly a good segue into the next the next segment, which is kind of talking about conversation and debate. So it's a little removed from it. But part of what we were just talking about is, you know, understanding people's various viewpoints and perspectives on things. So in this situation... Now, there's not necessarily two opposing opinions as much as there's two perspectives. One guy said, I sent the right plans. The other guy said, well, look, I didn't get the right plans, clearly, because now you have a different set. So, you know, there could be, again, one of two ways of looking at this. You could completely dog on this guy to everybody that you know for making a simple mistake. Or you could turn around, you could have a conversation with whoever it was and say, listen, you know, what happened here? come to find out that X, Y, and Z was going on at the same time that he had to send these plans over to you because you were asking for them. And, you know, yeah, sure, it was his fault, but it's a little more justified. You know what I mean? It's like the idea of just just this pure, like, quick anger towards people when there's a mistake made or just a difference of opinion. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into is the value of hearing other perspectives. And, you know, so... I think that, and you and I agree on a lot of things, but I have some friends who we don't, like, take politics for instance, we don't agree on much in politics. Um, but what I can't stand is when I'm around somebody who I disagree with and they're not willing to conversate with me. Now, you can sit there and disagree with every single one of my points if you want to. We all know that you don't disagree with every single thing I have to say, and we all know I don't disagree with everything you have to say because we're all human. The reality is you probably said something if you're a logical human being that I semi-agreed with. So I'd be egotistical to not admit that I agree with you in a, in a various position. But the idea that like you will not conversate with me, number one, because you think that I'm more knowledgeable than you, that that's usually what that screams. But if it doesn't, then it it shows more just ignorance. Like you, you're not willing to even see another viewpoint and see the world from somebody else's point of view. And I don't know if you have this problem, but you know, tell me if you have a problem oftentimes with conversating with anyone. Yeah, I mean, you know, just getting into arguments and across the board. I mean, working at um, working at a summer camp right now, working with kids. There's a lot of arguments and disagreements and you can tell when a when it, i mean a kid for example in this example but really i mean are argue with your parents all the time right you can tell when they're trying to defend an idea and they're trying to win the argument and be correct versus when they're actually trying to understand the situation and trying to come to the best mutual solution right because 
think Jordan Peterson refers to it as being ideologically possessed. It's when you have an idea and you have a perspective on the world, on whatever it may be, any situation, circumstances, and you want to be right and you want to be correct about it. And you don't want to have to go through the mental effort, whether it's conscious or not, of thinking about it again and kind of honestly taking on a new perspective. It's because it is a lot of mental work, but um, so people will just defend an idea blindly and maybe it's not blindly. Maybe they have some evidence to substantiate whatever their claims are, but um, no matter how confident you are in a, in a perspective, in an idea, whatever it is, there's probably another layer to it that you haven't considered because you keep like, there's things are complicated, right? So that's, it's always good to hear another, hear another perspective. And that's when, when in doing that, you're, that's when you're looking for a situation, actually having a conversation of, Oh, I didn't see it this way. Uh, Tell me more about how I didn't. And ultimately accepting and uh, coming to terms with your inadequacies and how maybe I didn't view this uh, problem as well as I could have, right? It it maybe could have been a little bit better. Um, But, you know, it's very common for people to just want to defend an idea and they fight, especially in politics too, very divided. It's, you know, people want to be right and they don't want to go through the work of coming to the correct conclusion and being able to actually substantiate it. It's just, you know, you hear something online, you hear a cool stat that sounds good and boom, that's it. Bang over. But ultimately, no matter how confident you are in your perspective, your idea, it's not, it's just ultimately not productive. Like we were talking about earlier, take accountability and, um, radically even if you are saying something very reasonable and very sound and you have a lot of evidence and you have a lot of reason to believe what you believe still another layer to it there's gonna be so there's you can and i'm sure anyone listening can can relate to this too when you know you you're talking to someone and you say hey and it doesn't even have to start as an argument it can start as something as simple as a disagreement or something like if you're a boss and employee did something wrong and they didn't know and you know so it's like hey can you just you know maybe do this a little differently next time that's fine if they get defensive and what what do you mean like no i did this right they're trying to they're not trying to listen and understand the different perspective they're fighting and combating and defending their idea so it's being ideologically possessed versus being open and willing to accept criticism and rethink your own thoughts and perspectives. Right. And not to get off too far on a tangent with this one, but the other thing too is, you know, a little side note to what you were saying, talking about the boss. I'm just going to talk to everyone. Everyone needs to start accepting authority more than they do now. Because, you know, again, it's that ego in the way of us where we, you know, whether or not the boss could could be completely wrong. But the reality is like, I, I, I hear laborers on the job squawking at their bosses like first month or so onto the job. And you know what? Yeah, the, the boss might be being a, a, a bit of an a-hole that day. But the reality is like, you know, I, and I'm not saying get stepped on. I'm certainly not one to like take people's shit. And, you know, I I will absolutely call people out when necessary, but there is a degree of authority that is allowed 
to be a little bit more of an a-hole. I, I, I hate to say it, but it's like, that's part of paying your dues, right? It's it. So I think the ego gets in the way of authority in any capacity, authority of any kind. I think that we're conditioned to get defensive and understandably so. We don't want to be wrong. But when you have authority in front of you, shut up. Shut up. It, 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 you know, it does get to a point where it's like, okay, now it's time to speak up. There's there's always a time for that. But again, it, it, it's these entitled, you know, I won't even get into that. But it's it's entitled people who walk on to their job expecting that everyone's going to pat them on the back every time they do exactly what's expected of them. Right, the bare Barely even expected <laughs> right. of them. It's, it's like the, the quality of work. Okay. that's what i mean by tangent i'm not gonna get off but you you know what i'm talking about just sit down shut up take your talking to right because it there does come to a point where you know and the lines you know it's subjective so the lines are kind of it depends but um if a boss is telling you to do something and you even if you know it's completely wrong like it comes to a point where it's not really relevant like the, the the topic of the conversation turns in goes from what needs to be done to the boss told you to do something period like that's what it is i mean within reason if if it's not going to harm you and the boss told you to go rip that door out so you went and ripped that door out and then they yell at you it's like hey listen you told me that's the point in time where you step up but you don't step up because you want to squawk in your little piece of logic you know it took me even where i'm working now eight months, 10 months before I even started, like, you know, I'd make, maybe make suggestions here and there. Now I'm a little more autonomous. So I make suggestions more often, but still to this day, it's whatever you want, you know, whatever the boss wants. The end of the day, I might say, Hey, I completely disagree with this approach, completely disagree with it. And I'll be honest, but if you tell me it doesn't matter, I I'd like it done this way. It's going to be done exactly how you want it done, whether or not I like it. Yeah. You know, now, I'm not going to re-roof a house with no harness and no, you know, with one jaggy ladder on the side of a cliff because you want me to. You know, it's within reason, of course. But, yeah. So, but I don't know how we got this far off of conversation and debate. Um, but, you know. At the at the end of the day, when it comes to the conversation and, and debate, like I said, I think it's it's important in any facet of life to hear other people's perspectives. And I know you do this often too, and you've talked to me about, you know, like I guess here's a question for you: How often do you put your ego aside in conversations with people and acknowledge that you might be completely wrong, even though you're convinced you're right? I mean, realistically, it's probably a lot more than I would like it to be. Ideally, it would essentially be always, really, because, I mean, like we were talking about, there's never any benefit in being stuck in your own ways and stagnating in your own thought processes because if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. There's no real stagnation. Um, But for as often as I put my my ego aside, you know, that – there's all i don't know if it would necessarily even be your ego speaking but there are times where i will bring in 
my perspective and I'll say, well, here's the reason why I thought the way I did, right? And to kind of establish like a justification for my thought process because, you know, I had to come to it somehow. And then should the person I'm talking to understand where I'm coming from, then they can kind of say, okay, well, here's where it could be improved. It's not even like where you went wrong, what you're doing bad. It's just where it could be improved, right? right? And everyone's got that. And then when they, as they're telling me their perspectives, then I could say, oh, well, hey, actually I did this. Um, you're describing a situation that I experienced recently and I did this the first time and it didn't work. And then the next time I tried something else and it worked a lot better. So you can, it almost becomes an exchange of perspectives and ideas um, when the ego is dropped. Now, like, like we talked about this earlier, it is, it's difficult to drop the ego because obviously you only you can only perceive the world through one person's eyes. Right. So you, you're biologically you are biased towards your own self and your own ego. That's why we have an ego. So it's as often as possible. I try to put it to the side to understand other perspectives, and then I can kind of tap into it and say, okay, well, where was I coming from at this point, and where why was I thinking the, what I did, and to kind of just get a better understanding of the scenario, but. It's hard, and I mean, I'm I'm human too, and I catch myself getting too caught up in my ideas and my ego, and no, I'm right, and just at, at work at summer camp, no, it's my way or no way, and I try my absolute best, more than just about anything, to kind of remain objective and unbiased, but it's it's definitely hard, especially when, you know, when you've been doing it a while, it's a long day, you know, it's right. been hard, you got a lot going on, whatever, it becomes hard because it takes conscious effort too. Because right. your first instinct, I mean, as, as I just said, you perceive the world in your own eyes. So your first instinct is to perceive things your own way. Right. So it takes effort and conscious thought to put that aside and say, okay, what does this person have to not even teach me, but what could I learn from this person? Right. It's not that they're necessarily teaching you actively, consciously. They're just, there's always something to be learned though. Yeah, everyone has something to offer. Everyone has something to gain from. And and you know, I, I I think it's cool too when you're talking about like the other the other perspectives of people and kind of engaging in that conversation that you may not want to have. Like because you know at the end of the day that that conversation is going to result in you being in the wrong. And you know, Personally, I don't, I, I've maybe been so conditioned to do it now that I don't find an issue with putting my ego aside. I've gotten, you know, to the point where it doesn't really affect me much because I don't view it as a shot at me as a person. And, and, you know, I also look at regret like this too. And I think it's a great way to sort of sum this segment up is like, you make decisions based on the information you had at the time. So it's... I don't believe that in most situations regret is warranted because, again, that decision that you made, if it had a negative result, you made it thinking it would turn positive with the information that you had at the time. So, you know, I think you make a great point. Like, you may justify in a conversation why you came to the conclusion that you did if that conclusion was wrong. And, you know, that's because you're you're sort of acknowledging like listen i don't regret the conclusion i came to because this is the information i had at the time but again two things can be true at once you can be wrong 
but you can still have the right intentions. And so you're not to blame in terms of being a bad person. You just, you, it was a 50, 50, you could have been right or wrong and you were wrong. That's all. And that, that kind of brings into the, the idea of unintentional versus intentional. I mean, to use a, uh, I, uh, religious term to sin like mm-hmm. there's there's it's one thing to think you're on the right track and to truly believe it. and if you make a genuine honest mistake it's still not good and you're still gonna have to live with the repercussions of that mistake but you know it wasn't malicious it wasn't intentional so there's those are the kind of things where and if you didn't make that mistake then it was bound to happen at some point because you learn from your mistakes right? right so you're not going to repeat that mistake again ideally so there's, there really is no reason to regret making the mistakes because now you know not to make that mistake again. What there is to regret is the things you knew were wrong that you shouldn't be doing that you did anyway because you couldn't, for whatever reason it is, for right. any infinite number of reasons. Those are the things. And then, I mean, it's not like sitting there and uh, slouching around and uh, engulfing yourself in all your misfortunes and oh i did i'm so bad and i did all this that's not really productive so maybe regret isn't the right term but reflection yeah yeah reflection Reflection. healthy reflection i think i think the healthy exchange is just listen i was wrong here my intentions were pure but the results were not as assumed and that's i think that's a perfectly healthy exchange from one side and now kind of moving on because this is a, is a good spot to kind of connect the two is reframing perspectives on life. So kind of the first topic in this segment I wanted to go over was life as a continuous learning journey and sort of what you were just saying a second ago about how, you know, where we always have something to gain from people and there's always something to learn. There's always something that, you know, we're doing right or we're doing wrong. We're constantly learning and we're constantly reflecting on on our own lives. Now, I think we all reflect on our own lives to the same extent. It's a matter of how much power do we give to that self-reflection and how much legitimacy do we give to it. And so I think, and you know, you would know better than me, but I think if I were to look at somebody who is constantly growing, succeeding, they're, they're you know, in, in business, they're always hitting their numbers and exceeding them. In life, they're always just, you know, impressing people and people are drawn to them. These are people who are constantly improving and, and increasing any benefit and, and any positive they have in their lives. I feel like the number one trait that they have is is just the ability to put more legitimacy on their self-reflection than others do yeah um i mean see where to begin yeah it's so when when you're reflecting on yourself and it, it ultimately depends on the perspective the lens that you look at it through is how you're gonna how are you going to interpret that reflection? Um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, you're playing a sport and you were training for a big game or, I mean, working for a big promotion, whatever it is. 
and it can feel like that that goal or usually it's a goal um a goal that you're working towards is kind of the end all be all um and then that'll put a lot of legitimacy on onto that goal onto that reflection because when you're when you're focused on when you're hyper focused on that and it feels like you're that is the all-consuming situation scenario i guess then it's like okay that's all that's important and that's gonna be that's just what i'm gonna agree with um but kind of zooming out and taking that more broad perspective and kind of understanding that you know nothing's gonna be the end of the world um so it, it almost takes away legitimacy from the from the goal or whatever it is that you're working on but in a and that's where you kind of get into utilizing different perspectives for your own benefit because there are times where you need to hyper focus on one thing and that's what you need to do to achieve your ultimate goal but that being said that if you let that one little thing tear apart your whole goal then that's unproductive and so you're you're too, kind of too caught up in your in your uh perspective of it right right and you know i i, I like that you were sort of talking about about goals and i think you're right like putting legitimacy on self-reflection oftentimes i think is easier when you're a solution-driven person so when your goal is to create a solution right so take um i think of an example of like a poor trait but you know for instance somebody who is always who is always popping off right they're always freaking out over small situations and it's starting to cause harm to the people that that they love somebody with a growth mindset somebody who's constantly hitting their numbers succeeding you know all, all the rest of it they are the ones that oftentimes are able to look at the problem and say okay i'm hearing consistent feedback that i pop off in situations where i shouldn't right i i I let the emotions get the best of me i freak out and get angry very quickly and i'm very emotional uh emotionally reactive so i can go one of two ways i can admit that that's true but once i admit that that's true there's no excuse that i should not create a solution for it so here my goal is to since this is true it is true that i'm emotionally reactive i admit it what I need to do now is harness my emotions. I need to find a little bit of joy in my life every day where I don't feel so miserable. So maybe I can have an outlet. I need to you know, find a way to filter through what matters and what doesn't. Whatever your solution is. I, I can't tell you what your solution is. What I will say though is that when you are a solution-driven person, things do not get to you as often, right? Like in, in your because your perspective on life is less in the moment in terms of like there's nothing there's nothing more right you know what I mean like like because there's so many people just scraping by they're ju- they're just you know they're living especially people living paycheck to paycheck day to you know day. what I mean yep. day to day they know and I've heard this a million times oftentimes it's the ones that don't have abundance or an abundance mindset they don't think in the future. So 
it's so easy to get those those emotionally reactive people in those types of situations because they don't have perspective on like listen this is a bad thing that just happened but i've been through bad things very similar and i know it will pass in two weeks right or i know it'll pass in two minutes i know i won't be mad about this in two minutes and you know i i think part of this topic reframing your perspective on life and, and gratitude and sacrifice whatever i i think the most important way to make sure that you're sort of a solution driven person is to first reflect on your past successes when when combating a negative trait of yours but being able to look through an abundance lens like listen there's more time i have there's there's more i not only have to worry about but more that i have to be grateful for but more than that because i i can't stand when people say oh well when you're you know when you're oftentimes when you're sad or you're feeling down about i don't know you you're not where you want to be think about what you have i honestly i i get the whole premise behind that i think that's a stupid way to look at it what i think you should be doing is i think that you should Take a look at it logically and statistically and say, okay, I have been in situations like this before. I have been in a lull period at work. I have I have missed my numbers some quarters, but I always double my expectation the following quarter, or I always end up getting out of this lull period at an unspecified time. So... You know, like I said, it's it's having that ability to look forward and say, you know what, right now it sucks, but I have faith that it will not suck. Right. Yeah. And I like how you mentioned gratitude too and being grateful for it. And it's it is very easy to say, Oh, well, your life is good and it could be worse which is absolutely true and it, it's hard to do that. It is. Um and I think part of that is people forget that like I mean, not only is it gratitude for the position that you were born in in the first place, and I mean, anyone listening to this, you have an infinite number of things to be grateful for. Any The capacity to listen to this, and so it's not only the gratitude of what's here and what's now. Like, you could have been born in the 1600s and out in some desert and been in a, in a small tribe, and I don't want to... Uh, demonize any anyone else's lifestyle or anything but it's it it's seems tougher. like quality of life yes. is definitely better now you're lucky that you weren't born five thousand years ago and you had to go uh fist fist fight a saber-toothed tiger to have dinner tonight right. like so is kind of to zooming out and taking that and even if it's all the way back out to that that deep of a perspective it's if you need to zoom out that far then Honestly, that's ultimately what it boils down to. So there's no, you know, life gets hard and there's tragedies, but the tragedies only come from when something good happens or falls through or something like that, right? right? Like if, you know, you have a loved one and they pass away, tragic and obviously justifiably causes negative emotion in a lot of it. But it's, and obviously it's hard in the moment and everyone has their reasons. Everyone has their reasons not to, but some people don't have loved ones in the first place. You know what I mean? Yep. Like some people don't have people to care for them in the first place at all. Yeah, it's, it's that idea. And I, I, I mean this in the most like 
empathetic way for anybody who has lost a loved one, but it's a good, uh, it's not a good problem to have, but it's also a good problem to have because yeah. it's, it's, it's like, it's like, you know what? It's even when, you know, you talk about, and I, I know cause I'm just business. So I'm, I always, I, that's the way I can relate to things, but you know, when a company's, when, when a company's getting, you know, too many marketing calls back from their leads it's like i can't i can't handle all these leads that's a good problem to have exactly right it, it, it's a, it's like i can't handle this um, this uh, emotion of the loss of a loved one because of so much love that i have for this person it's like i'm empathetic and sim- i'm sympathetic and empathetic for you because you know i've been there too but on the same side of, or on the other side of that same coin isn't it beautiful how much love you were able to have for this person and so you know like i said the the ability to look at life through the lens of abundance i have so much and you know the reality is too what's the statistic it's like one four trillion that you're even born yeah like like that your dna was constructed in the way that it was it's like one in four trillion or it could be 400 trillion so it's one of the four trillions i don't know how many zeros are at the end of it a lot of them but (laughs) it's a ridiculous statistic and it's like to even be born never mind to be born in the position that you're in which could be a hell of a lot worse no matter how bad it is truly absolutely absolutely and so i think you know i think there is a spot for gratitude but you know like you said if you have to zoom out you zoom out as far as you need to realize that with the bad, you have the good. And I want to add this too, because I, was, I talked to my therapist about this and she's always telling me the same thing. Our minds have negative bias. That's how we're wired. We're negative bias because we're, we're meant to survive, not thrive. And so when you're meant to survive and not thrive, thriving is a, you know, has a positive connotation to it right it's it's abundance it's it's happiness it's worry free and the opposite is survive it's a lack of abundance there's there's nothing it, it's it's all in your hands to figure out there is no there's no positive connotation on simply surviving so since that's how we are wired as as i'm just gonna say it, homo sapiens like literally the we are wired just as human beings to have negative bias because we're always in defense mode it's not surprising that oftentimes when something tragic happens to us we think we're the only one that's number one we think that we're the only one going through something like this which is 100 percent of the time not true 100 percent of the time so that's number one number two we view it as detrimental to our lives when in reality when you really take a step back and you start to formulate a plan and a solution, you realize that it wasn't a problem at all. There was no issue one bit, but you think it's the end of the world, right? So, and, and I can go down the list, and I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna go down the list of just every emotion that you could feel, but the reality is, is that understanding that your brain is always going to focus on the negative allows you to realize that your brain is working against you, so you need to consciously look at the positive in order to combat it. And so it's work. It takes work. At the end of the day, it's not it's it's not wired in your brain to do so. 
I like how you, I also like how you mentioned the survival versus um, an abundance that kind of like thrive. Yeah, yeah. Versus surviving, surviving and thriving. Right. And you, you mentioned that, especially today's age. I mean, just surviving is obviously that sounds terrible for anyone in today's age, day and age. Like everyone has all these great things. And if you're just scraping by just surviving, that is not good. Right. But it's also better than the alternative. It's better than not surviving. Right. So it's, it's negative, but it's only negative through the perspective that you're looking at it through on a, on a complete zoomed out bird's eye view. If surviving is that bad, then you wouldn't be doing it. You wouldn't be fighting to do it. Um, right. One of my favorite quotes that I never understood for the longest time. I truly didn't. And I thought it was stupid. I think it's Dr. Seuss. It's don't be, don't be, or maybe it was Stan Lee actually. Um, one of the two, I think it was, don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. Right. Yeah. And there's something to be said for obviously there's justifiable reasons to have those negative emotions and to be upset and stuff. But ultimately, at the beginning, before all of it happened and you knew that that was coming, like if you knew growing up that you could have loved ones, but they would die, you wouldn't say, oh, I don't want loved ones then because I don't want to deal with it. You still want it and right. you'd still put up with the negative emotions that come with them passing but it's still overall a net positive right Right. so even though it seems hard it's it is better that it happened right so and and i i think too like you know this idea that once we're in it we would have rather it not to happen at all to avoid the discouragement at the end. So it's it's like, you know, if you were to, if you were to be told that you were going to be handed $10 million tomorrow, but by the time, like you, by the time you're 35 years old, it'll all be gone. Every single bit of it, whether you spent it or not. Now, everything you spent it on is also going to be gone. Right, so you only get to enjoy the ten million for fifteen years. Are you gonna take it? <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna not? Right. You, you don't get anything. Like the day you turn thirty-five, it's all gone. Everything. You, you don't get to hold any of it. Everything's valueless. So, are you going to not take it so that you can avoid at thirty-five the discouragement of it all being taken away, or are you gonna still take it? See, looking at it from that outsider perspective, obviously you're still going to take it and you're going to make the most of why you have it, which is essentially what, like, that's the antidote, right? That's what we're trying to do with life. You know, you, you can be upset that it's gone and any, I can, I'm, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people at that 35, at that point, they would just tell you, oh, I wish it never came. I wish I never had it. Like it just, it's, it just sucks not having it now. They're going to tell you that, but looking at it from a bird's eye view, you can see why that would happen. You just have to be prepared for it. You have to combat that. And a lot of it is making the most of it while you have it. Right. You you want you want positive things in your life, even though they might go away at some point. And it's going to suck when they do. Right. And it's going to feel like once they go away, it's going to feel like, man, I wish I just never had it. So I wouldn't so I wouldn't have to deal with these emotions. But that's you shouldn't demonize the good things. It's just the nature of reality that things don't last. Right. And that doesn't right. mean that means the best solution to that is not to just not have good things. It's to make the best of the good things. Right. Again, I keep going back to it. Two things can be true at once. 
you can be pissed off and angry that something was taken away, but grateful at the same time that it was there in the first place. So it's like, I, I hate that, that idea too, that you're at fault for some reason for saying that, you know, for viewing a situation like I, now that I know that this is being taken away, I never wish I accepted it in the first place, or I never wish I had it in the first place. It's like, no, you can be sad that it's gone, but also grateful that it happened. It, it can happen simultaneously. So yeah, no, I, I think that that's a great perspective to have on life. And again, I think this, this whole sort of perspective on everything we've talked about, accountability, gratitude, sacrifice, implementing a positive mindset in your life, um, you know, cultivating a mindset for growth, all of this, what it really boils down to is balance, right? If we go to accountability, it's I was wrong and, and other people were wrong, or I was wrong, but there was also a problem, right? Or, you know, cultivating a good mindset is about balance, right? It's like, I know the things that are good about myself and I know the things that I could use work on. Or I know the things that I have and I know the things that I don't. When you only have one perspective, only the bad, then oftentimes you're discouraged because you have no gratitude. But there's a problem the other way where some people think that they only have the good or they're, they're only, they are only good, yeah. right? And so that's where now you get the ego where people are too full of themselves and they think they can get, they can do no wrong when in reality they're not always a great person right like and it really goes back to back to the, the the whole idea behind nobody's perfect but not only is nobody perfect nothing is perfect like your your life in general is not perfect the things that happen to you are not perfect this is not but also, there's not a per, it's not perfect that it's always negative things happening to you, right? There's not a perfect streak of negativity coming your way. Right. Never. There will never be any person who can ever convince me that there has only been negative things that have happened in their life. And so there's never a negative streak of perfection, a perfect negative streak, nor is there never a perfect positive streak. And so. uh, it, it's... We chase perfection, and that's a good goal to have and to try and create our perfect lives. But, I mean, genuinely, if things were perfect, what would we be doing? Yep. I mean, like, really? Like, what would there be? To do? It would be, and I'm sure to anyone listening, it sounds wonderful to be able to sit back and sip on some wine, whatever it is, and just chill and have no worries in the world and be feeling good all the time. You would be bored shitless after... Mm -hmm a couple days yeah. like you would create problems on your own like we're problem solving creatures really yeah. and like so without problems to solve then there's no meaning which is bad enough in itself like you need meaning to sustain you through hard times right. and without any meaning and purpose it's like what do you do right <laughs> what do you do so one of the things that my mom has always told me kind of going back to sort of like that whole idea of of balance really is she's always told me hope for the best prepare for the worst and that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten in my life because 
you, the idea is that really behind the idea behind is anything can happen. Anything can happen. The very, very best result could yield in your in your favor, or the very, very worst result could work completely against you. So all you really have, because you have no control of the future, you have no control of what is inevitable for your plan, what you do have control over is how you view it and how you let it affect you. And so I think the best piece of advice that I've gotten is that exactly is is hope for the best prepare for the worst and you know that helps that helps kind of remediate the the stress of the lack of control right it's it's like you know what i'm gonna hope to god that i have an abundance of time with the people that i love but i'm gonna prepare for the fact that i'm not gonna get that you know what i mean and so and that'll enable you to cherish that time and value it more. So, because if you think you have all the time in the world and then that each second is that less meaningful, right? Cause well, oh, there's more of them. There's that many, that's, there's that many more of them and that many more excuses to not value it consciously as much as possible. Right. Absolutely. So in essence, man, I, uh, we talked about the accountability. Yeah. I like that, you know, you and I have always agreed on accountability. I mean, guess we're going after this. All right, to the gym. That's fucking late, dude. It's like, late. I got work in the morning. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to. Yeah, cry about it. Tough. Cry about it. Tough. And you know, like, the way we talk to each other at the gym, too, it's like, I don't care that you're tired. I, All right, it doesn't, right. it's dude, not relevant. I was there last night. At I got there at 9.30. I left at 10.30. You were strolling in at 10.30. I was. I had to get it in, dude. I mean, I, I didn't get, get it in. in. Right? You, yeah. It, it doesn't stop. The grind doesn't stop. I, I, I love that about you, man. It's like we've we've always connected on that and, and where where we kind of view life and and really just the things that need to happen in life, like the non-negotiables where it's like, you know what? I could waste time bitching about this. I could waste time complaining about the fact that, you know, I don't want to do so, whatever. It's like, you know what? If you don't want to show up to the gym at those ungodly hours because other things got in the way, then simultaneously don't say that you want an Alex Eubank physique. I don't want to hear it, right? It's it's like, and 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 that's really one of my biggest pet peeves is when people start talking about what they want, but their life shows a completely different path to their wants. And it's like, you know what? It's one thing if somebody says, I, I want to be a billionaire one day. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, that doesn't piss me off. But when somebody says like, I want to get into real estate, what do I have to do? All right, here, X, Y, and Z. Nah, I'm not going to do it. You must not want it that bad. Yeah, then then shut up. You don't want it bad. And you, you even, you may want it really bad. You may really, really want that, but you don't want it bad enough you because you're it. not willing to do it. Right, right. you don't need it. I, I, yeah, I look, at, I look at things like that as like, I need to succeed in real estate. I need I, to hit the gym. I need to hit the gym, <laughs> yeah. right? Yep. Um, but it's also, I get to hit the gym. I get, yes. I get to go to the right. gym. And you know what I mean? That's gratitude, right? And that's the gratitude perspective. Because we are fortunate to not have to get our exercise in running away from fucking woolly mammoths. Right. And that's trying to eat us. Right. For or lunch. walking 18 miles with a barrel of 50 gallons of water over our head. Because, Just to drink clean water for right. the week. Right. As half of it evaporates on the way back if you don't fall and drop it. Right. So, you know, yeah, it's that idea of gratitude. So, otherwise, man, I want to kind of wrap this up, but little bit about you because i know we briefly gave like a little description in the beginning of who you are 
obviously this you know you're a psych major what are your uh what are your plans what are you looking to do what am i looking to do um i mean for now so i want to wrap up my bachelor's degree um i hopefully i'm you know i'm starting to look into grad schools i haven't really probably given it as much thought as i should have yet um but I'm looking into grad schools. I think I want to go for counseling and then hopefully, you know, do something, maybe not the traditional therapy route, but, you know, in some way apply my knowledge of how people behave and how it relates to their mindset. Um, I want to be able to apply that to other people because I want to know for myself, obviously, so I can improve myself. But um, that's ultimately meaningless if I have it all to myself and then no one else has anything. In right. So I want to be able to apply that. That's, that's the long, long term goal uh, for now. Just kind of looking into, looking into grad schools, just trying to get those grades, stack the resume as much as possible. Um, yeah. I mean, just on the grind, trying to improve myself, trying to make myself as good of a person as possible, not so that I can be a good person, but so that I can promote people around me being a good person as yeah. well. So just working hard on the grind. All right, so a little something that I like to do for every guest I have. First, I'm going to ask you a question from the last guest that I had on. They asked this question not knowing who my next guest was going to be. So this is a very general question. You answer it exactly how you want. And the second part is you're going to ask a question to my next guest, and you're not going to have any idea who it is. You're not going to know what industry they are in. If they're male or female, you're not going to have any background. So the question for you is, if you didn't start today, what would you think about yourself tomorrow? feel regretful. I mean, there's, there's always going to be tomorrow, presumably. You're always going to have that later opportunity. I can do it later, whatever. I can push it off. Um, but it's, it's really a detriment uh, at the end of the day because it's – we were talking about regret a little bit beforehand and that's one of those things where there are things you know you should be doing and if you don't start now then that that's justifiable regret and you're justifiable in regretting not starting right now doing things that you know you should be doing and i man i i would not be happy i'd probably be in a slump and ideally i would just war i would start then i'd start as soon as i realized but um Judging by the fact that I didn't start today, I the chances of me starting tomorrow are probably pretty slim, but um, definitely regretful. And hopefully I can turn that regret into motivation to do better for myself in the future. Um, but definitely regretful off the bat and then ideally more motivated to move forward. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So like I said, no idea who the next guest is. Um, uh, I think my best question that really, I, I think I could ask anyone ultimately, and it's probably the most important question is what are you doing to improve your life? What are you doing to improve your state of being and your circumstances? Because there's no, nothing better to do, but to be concerned with that. Ultimately, nothing more productive, nothing that's going to benefit you more. What are you doing or what could you be doing that would be benefiting you more? I love it. I love it. That's that's honestly, that's a, a question I think that every listener can hear. 
And I think you can all ask yourself that same question every single day. Every minute. What is it that I'm doing today to increase my potential for success, my potential for self-growth, and really my potential to just thrive in general? What am I doing to reach my goals? And to be completely honest with you, I think that if you either can't think of anything, right? If you can't think of anything that you're doing actively, or you can't think of something that is good enough to get you to that point, it's one of two problems. You have limiting beliefs. So there's a reason why you're not because maybe you're insecure about, for instance, making content, right? I realized I needed to start making content for my business. It had to happen. In order to reach my goal, making content would be a part of that. So my limiting belief was the insecurity of not wanting to make content. So that's number one. Number two is you don't want or need it bad enough, right? You're, I, I mean, reality is like my life and, and my destiny really lies on what I'm doing here. Right. I feel like that's what I was destined to do. And so, you know, it, it's one of those two reasons, I believe, that, you know, you're not waking up and doing everything in your power to reach your goal. So, and it's not easy. I mean, it's definitely, it's not going to be something easy. Otherwise, you'd be doing it anyway. But and it's, be doing it. exactly. And it's, but it's 100% necessary. It's worth it. And if you're not doing that, what better do you have to do? Play video games to try and stimulate yourself and make yourself feel good in the moment. You really think that's going to be the best, the best route to take? You've nothing better to be doing. Go right. do something to improve yourself. Seriously, absolutely, Spencer. Yeah, dude. It's been Appreciate a you having me on, dude. Thank you for having me.